Ah yes, the final presidential debate of 2020. Donald Trump and Joe Biden went at it tonight. Really, it should have been the third debate, but it was just the second debate due to, uh, I guess, Trump's previous battle with coronavirus. But tonight he battled Biden. And to join, joining me now to discuss this debate. God, and I'm so glad it's the last one. <laughs> yeah. Let's let me pull him up here on the feed before I introduce him, so you could see his his uh, his beautiful face. I don't know why we're not on the feed. There we go. <laughs> David Dole of the Rational National, buddy. Thank Hello. you so much for joining me tonight. No problem. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. I was just discussing. We were just discussing beforehand that it's been too long. Last time you were on this show, we it was for a Democratic primary debate. Yes, my hair was much shorter then. Um, I think I was much happier back then. I had some hope in me. Uh, Biden, or yeah, Biden was just a you know a distant thought. He was definitely going to not win the primary. Uh, <laughs> it's a different time. Right. But uh, here we are, the last debate before this election. Right. It's you know the the world has changed and. Uh, Somehow we end up with Joe Biden and Donald Trump as the presidential candidates. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful world we all live in. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, let's let's I guess get to this, and then if we want to talk about anything else after, we can. But yeah. everyone's probably talking about the obvious, uh, you know, the star of the debate tonight. People just won't stop talking about it, and that is Tony Bobulinski. Everyone's talking about Tony tonight. <laughs> Bobulinski mania is running wild across the country, David. Did you did you see? Uh, yeah, um, I completely forgot about this till I checked your Twitter feed to retweet this, and then I saw that you mentioned his name, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, of course. It's the, Every- the, that's the main reason, uh, or the, the main topic of this debate, of course. <laughs> right, I think I'm the only one carrying on the Bobulinski name, but I will not stop because it is it is too funny. Let, we gotta have to talk about this first. So the Hail Mary from the Trump campaign before the debate started, like, you know, before the, you know, the day of the debate, before they actually get to the arena, hours before, usually a campaign, usually the one that's losing, tries to do something to try to get some press coverage. You know, the Trump campaign did it last uh, time around in 2016 when they brought some of uh, Bill Clinton's rape accusers to one of the debates. And that, you know, that is... A biting guest list there. That is stunning to do. Like that is something that could really rattle someone. You know, seeing your, your the people who have accused your husband of rape sitting in the audience before you. I, I you know, it's it's you know, it's it's crazy to do, but you know, it's it's a game plan. It's a you know, if you want to win, it's something, right? <laughs> but then this time around, the Trump campaign brings out Tony Bobulinski. A guy that literally no one has heard of until uh, they announced him. Even the right was sort of like, uh, "Who's it? are we supposed to know who this guy is? Someone didn't, <laughs> someone didn't get us the talking points tonight. What's going on? Uh, this was a guy who apparently worked with uh, Hunter Biden and knew some, uh, I guess, insider information as to how uh, Biden, the Bidens made some of their money and the... The uh, accusation from the right is, uh, is Tony Bobulinski says that Biden took money from China because there's some reference to the big guy in uh, the Hunter Biden emails. And they are insinuating that the big guy uh, refers to Joe Biden. Uh, I, I mean, who knows? Uh, it seems, seems crazy. 
But uh, just from the plan perspective, what do you think? Did Tony Bobolinski showing up tonight? Did the Trump campaign nail it with Tony Bobolinski? <laughs> what what even what adds to this insanity is that he was probably wearing a mask and no one would even recognize him there. <laughs> like, all you just saw, I imagine the audience were a bunch of eyeballs. So even if anybody knew who this was and would recognize him, uh, I'm not sure if anybody did. And I was watching C-SPAN. They didn't even show the audience. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure there was a reference. Was there a reference to him? Did Trump try to reference him at all? Trump tried to reference him. That? Trump okay. tried to reference him and he couldn't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> just, just for reference, indeed, I was sitting on my couch screaming at the TV. It's Tony Bobolinski! <laughs> God damn it! Put some respect on that name, Trump. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, that really is the uh, yeah the hell the the hail mary because there is just uh, uh, it's nothing to work with, obviously. Um, but... <laughs> it literally do you remember i tweeted this out earlier do you remember that click hole uh piece that came out in, in like 2017 when everyone was talking about the Mueller investigation and uh constantly like every day there was some sort of new random name that came out and it was like who are these people and click hole had this like this parody article that was like breaking news from the Mueller the Mueller investigation Trump's uh, attorney's cousin's brother, Beamer, has to know something, but he didn't tell Gliblorb about it. And it's, it was like, it was like, it, this is how it felt like. It was like a, a, a flashback to when we had all these random names that yeah. were just mentioned like we were supposed to know them yeah. during the and, Mueller And days. everyone just talks about it like, oh, obviously this person. This, and we're all just like, am I supposed to know who this person is? And right. <laughs> just kind of catch up. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that was, uh, I think whoever that guy, Bobolinsky, however you say his name, <laughs> I already forget. I, I think he was long forgotten by the, you know, the first couple minutes in that debate. Um, I mean, what are your, th do you want to do overall thoughts first? Like, how do you want to? Yeah, let's, let's, let's discuss, let's, let's talk about this. So who, do, who do you think, uh, I mean, we start here. I mean, this is all like, you know, horse race stuff, but it's impossible not to talk about it when you're doing one of these. So first up, uh, who do you think won tonight? Who was the winner tonight, David? <laughs> <laughs> this is always a tough question because it totally depends on your perspective. Me as somebody who I feel like I know too much, it, it all I saw was just Trump lying all night. Um, and it's hard for me to get over that. And then, uh, you know, Biden, like if you're going, going into this actually undecided, uh, I don't know how many of these people actually, you know, exist. I think most people have made their minds up. A lot of people have already voted. We're seeing, you know, massive um, uh, voter turnout already uh, in, in early voting. But I guess if you came to this undecided, performance-wise, I don't think Biden did all that well. Um, he could have gone a lot uh, tougher uh, on Trump. Trump, uh, He kept putting Biden on the defensive. And because of that, that made Biden look weaker. Uh, bringing up, you know, bringing up Wall Street. Yeah, that happened in... The, in like the first twenty, how 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 does Biden not mention Steve Mnuchin or mention a, a, like his just Trump's cabinet and just the like to, to act like Joe Biden is the Wall Street can? Are you insane? You have right. Steve Mnuchin. Like, what are you talking? About? How does Biden not? Instead, Biden goes on the defensive. Like, you can't you can't play defense there. You have to go offensive when when Trump does that. The, the funny um, thing is, I yeah. I got a completely opposite read. To be honest with you, I felt like at least at least for like I would say up until. Uh, they started talking about uh, like North Korea 
and criminal justice reform. But that was like in the last like 30 minutes. But for like that first hour of the debate, I felt it was uh, Trump on the defensive and Biden on the offensive. Mm. Trump was constantly, I felt, trying to um, uh, defend his record, which obviously you you would want to do if you were running a campaign against the incumbent. And Biden would just chime in with with sort of attacks a here and there, but it was mostly Trump just flapping his uh, lips, trying to 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 defend himself. Yeah. Uh, but but no, I see what you're saying too, and and this is you know this is the interesting thing I think. I think people like us who are in this 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 political bubble, we see this debate and we look at what what didn't what they didn't do, yeah. and. And I felt this way with the with Kamala and and her her uh, her performance at the vice presidential debate. There were so many missed opportunities with her and Pence, mm-hmm. and I feel like we look at it like that. But does the average debate watcher, like the average American, do they really have the knowledge to know what didn't happen? I feel like they would just grade it on what they saw and not where they felt there was missed opportunity. Yeah, which is why I mean a lot of it is based on performance, and I did feel that that. Biden was put on the defensive a lot. I do hear what you're saying as well. I mean, especially on on COVID. Um, I think uh, at the beginning of the debate, Biden did perform better uh, on the topic of of coronavirus. I mean, it's not even close. There, there were some points where Biden gave really strong answers on on COVID, gave a strong answer on um, on uh, racial justice. Uh, but then there were moments, yeah, like the Wall Street thing, uh, attacking Biden over over his family making money. Like, what? Like what? <laughs> Trump? How have you? That's all he's done. His family, him, benefited financially from from this position. Like, for for Biden to continue trying to defend that instead of just being like, "How about you? How about your your kids?" Like, I, that it just to me it stuck out. Um, and I, I think that the difference as well is that the first debate, Trump was interrupting a lot, and I think that came off very, uh, you know, he came off as somebody who was, a, you know, an a, a, an asshole. Um, in this debate. I, at least in, in the first, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you could tell the he was told to be a little more stand backish, like not interrupt, um, kind of sit there and just take it and wait your turn. And Trump was doing that for a while. In the last half of the debate, though, I feel like Trump kind of just like had it and, you know, started interrupting a lot more, started interrupting Biden and the, the moderator a lot more. Um, so because of that, I think he came off worse. But really... Uh, I don't imagine this debate moved people all that much. Uh, there wasn't really any big moment where it was like, oh, wow, he got him and that changes everything. Like, just, we, we I, know who these people are, right? Like, I don't know how much this actually affects the, the race. I, I agree with you for the most part, but I, I actually watched this and thought, you know, if I was someone who, who, and I don't get these people at all, I think they're insane. Someone who's on the fence. Uh, I would say this this tonight would have would have probably cemented it for Biden for me. Uh, just the idea he he I I felt you know when you're when you're winning it, it seems like he's winning and by by a lot more than Hillary did. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And and in every poll and in a lot of swing states and I mean it's just I mean there has to be a complete flaw in the the polling system if 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 this turns out to be uh, if this turns out to be wrong because this isn't like 2016 at all. Um, you know, I, I, I watching this, uh, Trump would have to pull off like a Hail Mary, which is what they tried to do and and really turn things around. And and he didn't, but also Biden needed to just have a good performance. And I felt like he was, he was actually much more, whatever they gave him, he was much more lucid tonight than he was that first, that first debate. 
if you're looking at if you're looking at or, or judging Biden based on his um his ability to finish sentences and you know get out whatever he wants to get out, then yeah, he definitely performed better in that sense. I just felt like he was on the defense too much when he shouldn't have been, and he should have been pushing uh, Trump a, a, a lot more. But yeah, I, I mean, again, I, us as people who know too much, it's just. It's hard not to look at Trump and see somebody who just won't stop lying. I mean, every single it was so fr like it's one of these things, right? Watching his whether it's debate performances or his his rallies, he's just lying all, and he speaks in in um you know very uh uh you know broad strokes and says, oh uh, you know I'm the uh, the greatest president for uh, you know the black community since Abraham Lincoln, like just shit, like like how do people not watch that and just think? Is this man insane? Like, <laughs> what is going on here? So I don't think he—I don't think Trump won a new audience. Uh, I will say that I think he—he uh, he did put Biden offensive more than than I wish Biden was. Um, but I don't see how Trump really was able to to grow his his support base here. He didn't really do anything to—I mean—get more voters out for him. I don't think. Right, right. I mean, I, I, you just had me think of what I thought. You know, Biden had some had some lines tonight. I, I thought in terms of uh, uh, memorable moments, actually, like you, you know, they weren't anything crazy, but you know, the memorable lines I could remember were all from well, other than uh, Trump reciting the uh, <laughs> the pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon line, yeah. which is gonna make some great clips when people just take that part of it. <laughs> uh, you know, Biden had that moment where he called he called Trump Abraham Lincoln over here which I thought was clever because Trump is going around saying he's the greatest president for black people since Abe Lincoln which is a yeah yeah that was a good line yeah. quite the claim and also I enjoyed and this one was an accident this wasn't purposeful but uh, Biden accidentally called the Proud Boys the, the poor boys which <laughs> <laughs> was pretty great too I mean it probably really made them angry which makes me very <laughs> I enjoyed it even more. And also, I think it was Parker Malloy who tweeted out, like, a poor boy sandwich. Like, <laughs> and now all I could think of is that. And so, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, again, there were moments where I was really upset with Biden. Uh, obviously, we are where we are. And my uh, feelings are that I would like Biden to win. Um, I'm not one of those people who, you know, like, shames people into voting. I just explain my strategic view for that reason and hope that will uh, make sense to you. But I'm not going to like, you know, go, oh, yeah, you got to vote Biden or anything like that, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. uh, but you know, I, I, I felt like Trump was actually right tonight when he when we got to the North Korea section of the, the debate. It was mm. shocking. Like, yeah, I, I actually prefer a, a, a president who will just I mean, North Korea isn't great and Kim Jong Un is not a good guy. But if playing nice with him and mm -hmm. being buddy-buddy with him, even if it's just a facade, means that we're not in some sort of near brink of, of a nuclear war, then fucking go for it. I don't give a shit. Go sit down with him and, and share uh, stories and, and, and tea and have tea and crumpets or whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure yeah. no one dies. Yeah. I think dialogue in in that sense is, is always better. And yeah, I agree with you. Um Unfortunately, there is this yeah, there's this kind of status quo consensus where you have to be, you know, adversarial, you have to be uh, threatening to be able to be, you know, uh, a uh, you know, the commander in chief, you, you need to show strength. I 
I, I just think that hasn't worked. Um, <laughs> like the, I remember during the Obama years, there was always this constant threat of what's North Korea going to do? And I feel like there, there isn't that right now. And it's because you have these two bozos in, in, in Trump, King Jong un and, and they're like, they're, they're buddies. And it's because they're both, I mean, they're, they're both children that were born into privilege, basically. And <laughs> I guess they, maybe they, they bond over that. Um, but whatever the hell it is, uh, his diplomacy, or not only just diplomacy, but his ability to, to uh, be more open to conversation, I guess, is, is better. And I think it is a better approach um, that I wish uh, Biden would, uh, would be more open to. Um, and and take on, but a, a, apart from that, I mean, you talk about issues like like ripping up the Iran deal, like shit like that. I, I can't, I can't overlook, you know, moves like that. Uh, even if, even if Trump's going to have some nice moments with uh, with the North Korean leader, I, you can't overlook stuff like the Iran deal. That is just, I mean, probably Obama's like greatest accomplishment was that was the Iran deal, and Trump just, just you know got rid of it. Um, Absolutely. So Absolutely. yeah, I feel like that the world the world in general I think is safer. Uh, or was safer under uh, Obama than it is under Trump. We got really close to war with Iran because of that, after killing uh, Soleimani. So I, I just think it's... Um, I would just... I mean, I think it's obvious. We want Biden to win. <laughs> right. D David, but, you, don't, yeah. you, don't, you, you didn't pen that piece, uh, Donald the Dove, Hillary the Ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I remember that. <laughs> it's, you know, it's stunning. I mean, listen, I think there's plenty... Plenty, plenty, plenty to hit Biden over the head with. Uh, but uh, A, that's from the left. And uh, B, uh, yeah. Trump is worse on like a majority of the, the issues. I mean, even even when Biden, you know, another moment I saw that people, you know, the North Korea stuff, again, like you mentioned, there's a reason Trump and Kim Jong-un bond. It's not because they're, you know, not because Trump acts as a strategy. It's because they're both privileged, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, little, little shits who had yeah. parents who got them where they, everything they, they've ever had. But, um. But um, with with the criminal justice reform stuff, I mean, I see a lot of people always talk about how oh Biden's on the right with with uh, of Trump on this issue, and you know, uh, in terms of the rhetoric when they're at these debates, actually sometimes that is true, but when it comes to the actual action, it, it really isn't. I mean, Trump talks a, a big game about this stuff, but he hasn't like freed all the people who are still sitting in prison for the low-level drug offenses like he just picks and chooses people at random that ivanka brings towards him yeah. for like a good press hit like he doesn't actually care about criminal justice reform yeah, like not. like the people he's actually released there's so few that they're able to go and and stand on stage at the rnc so they could talk about how trump got them out of jail like literally you could take all the people trump did that for and give them an rnc spot which is what they did yeah <laughs> so it made it seem like a big deal when in, in reality it's just you know it's minuscule compared to uh what happened under uh obama and and, and biden but um yeah i mean trump thought the crime bill didn't go far enough i mean that's the reality of that and then he plays this you know, this character where he's trying to attack uh, Biden from the left on the crime. It's just completely not. We hate crimes have rised considerably under Donald Trump. Right wing terrorism has, has has risen considerably under his leadership. And this is not shocking to anybody. Um, so the idea that Biden is somehow worse <laughs> on this issue uh, is, is just it's ridiculous, uh, obviously. But. The only way that Trump's able to attack Biden on that is from the left, because he can't really go any further right, at least not, I mean, he can and he does, 
But um, in a debate format like this, where he's trying to hit nail Biden, he has to do it from the left because he can't go from the right and appeal to any new audience. He's just going to appeal to his same, uh, you know, white supremacist base. Right. You know, that's a you know great point there, and and it made me think actually. You know, they always bring up how like under Obama, there were all these terrorist attacks, and it's true actually that comparative comparative to uh, Obama's years and the Trump years. There are actually more like, you know, foreign terrorist attacks, like like ISIS inspired terrorist attacks in the U.S. than under Trump. And that and that's because that when Obama was president, ISIS was a new threat. And it took many years of action from the Obama administration to and going into the Trump administration uh, to neutralize the threat ISIS opposed to the U.S. But see, to me, I actually find the domestic threat that has risen under Trump and really was almost like non a non issue under Obama. I mean, obviously it was festering then, and they were obviously you know building the groundwork to eventually you know come uh, you know arise during the Trump the Trump era. But um, you know I find the domestic terror threat much more unnerving than than the uh, uh, foreign terror threats. Uh, oh I yeah, mean, I mean it. If you look at the the data over the last, uh, I mean, I forget where this is from now, but I, I've used this. Um, there's a graph uh, that I've used a number of times now that shows uh, the types of terrorism over the past 20 years, and over the last six years, but going into like mainly the, the last few years, it's almost it, it's like 90% right wing terrorism. That is the, the the most common form of of terrorism, be it uh, plots that were foiled or plots that actually were were, were uh, uh, you know played out. Right wing terrorism is the most common form, and then there's like a tiny bit of religious terrorism, and then left wing terrorism isn't even on the list. It, it hasn't really been on the list since the early 2000s with um, environmental uh, you know uh, property destruction and, right. and that kind of thing. And it's always but, um, property destruction, like yeah, right wing right, yeah. right wing terrorism <laughs> yeah. is mass shooting, militia groups yes. murdering uh, individuals at protests. Exactly. Left-wing terrorism is uh, someone threw a brick through a Starbucks window. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's. <laughs> yeah, I'd much rather live in a world that where people are safer and property gets damaged, and not the right. other way around. Right. Uh, so, oh okay, yeah, uh, I forgot to mention uh, to all the viewers watching right now: subscribe to the channel, YouTube.com/slash Matt Binder. I can't believe I failed there, David. I was uh, <laughs> totally talking up. I gotta promote the the channel uh, and I, I completely dropped the ball we're like 20 30 minutes into this <laughs> maybe the audience has grown though since then so now more people know to maybe subscribe, so maybe i can see a lot of rational national uh f audience uh, on this channel watching right now great to have there you, you go. here good to see a lot of super chats and you know what i'm gonna say this if you drop a super chat in here right now i will make sure that you are i will read your super chat question or comment here with David on the air in about like, you know, we'll, we'll talk in another like 10, 15 minutes and then we'll do a few of these super chats. Sounds good. Um, you got time tonight. Are you going anywhere, David? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so where, where are you located again, David? Toronto. Toronto. Now in Toronto, yeah. is it a ghost town because of the coronavirus? Uh, no, not anymore. Uh, when it first hit, yeah. I mean, nobody went out. <laughs> right, but, but um, I mean, did people, is it just like empty now? Like, for if was it empty for good? Because here in New York, I don't know if you heard from Trump, uh, we're just, it's just, there's no more New York. New York is dying. Yeah, I heard everyone's left New York. It's just empty now and no one's there. Uh, <laughs> but it's not like that. I mean, so 
so we're in a second wave now, as I think every country is basically. Um, uh, but the U.S. is like in, in their third or fourth wave, but like <laughs> we're in the second wave. So you can't go to restaurants uh, indoors. Uh, it's basically just takeout. We had patios, you know, open uh, during the summer, uh, and then they eventually opened indoor restaurants as well. But they closed all that down in the hot spots. So like in Toronto, in other regions in in Ontario, uh, in, in my province, um, basically, uh, you know, wear a mask wherever you go. And uh, but for the most part, I mean, people are still, you know, they're going to work, they're living their lives. Um, there's uh, the uh, CERB, which is two grand a month. Uh, that if you're impacted by COVID here, you get two grand a month. Um, but that's been moved into um, unemployment insurance now, I believe. So people are still able to get that money if they need it, if they have to stay home, take care of their kids. But kids are back at school for the most part. But there's like rules in place, money put into it, where there's social distancing, smaller class sizes, that kind of thing. Uh, of course, wearing masks the whole time. So we are managing COVID. Um, we're still in a second wave. It's, it's a little worse than the first wave right now. But it's, I mean, when I compare, when I look at the numbers, <laughs> I compare uh, the U.S. to pretty much every other country. Um, it's clear the the U.S. has has the worst numbers. I mean, the, to be fair, Brazil's not doing well either. Um, there are a few other uh, countries now in Europe that are actually like uh, the U.K. is doing terrible right now as well, apparently. Uh, but for the most part. You can see the countries that were given some real help and had, you know, uh, they had masks taken seriously. Actually, on that point of masks, this is something that Biden never bring has not brought up. I don't, I don't believe and should have brought up in this debate. Trump stopped six masks from going out to every household back in April. The U.S. Uh, PS had a plan to send masks to every household. Trump stopped that. The plan was ready, and he stopped it. How I Biden does not bring this up when discussing COVID? I mean it. It really imagine like Obama dead. Like it would be a it's a massive story. It really is a massive story. And the media's failed on that. Uh, the Democrats have failed on that. Biden's failed on that. That is something they have to bring up uh, all the time because it, it shows it, it shows not even just incompetence, but it shows actions that actually went to stop something that would have helped people. And to, for him not to bring that up is just a complete failure in, in terms of you know running. I don't think any Democrat has really brought that up. Period. Actually, like I haven't heard. I remember seeing that story, and honestly, until you just brought it up now, I I had actually forgotten about it myself. A failure of the media, right here. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it, unfortunately like w w the things we remember uh, that stick with us is what the, the Democrats talk about, what the media talks about in general, and when they forget certain stories like that, people forget to to, to bring it up and they forget to mention it, and it doesn't sit in their mind. But it it's it, it stuck with me because it sh it was just a direct action that immediately led to more people getting sick and dying that it could have been easily prevented just by allowing the USPS to follow through with the plan they already had on the books. But yeah, um, that should have been brought up for sure. Anyways, I got off topic, but no, you didn't <laughs> at all because no, you didn't because the, a major, uh, a major topic at the debate tonight was right off the bat, the coronavirus, and they yeah. spent a good amount of time on it. I mean, Honestly, I don't think there's ever a way to spend uh, uh, the proper amount of time on it because I, I feel like I've said this on every single show I've done. No matter what the you know the the main topic of the conversation is, whatever guest I have on, I always bring up how and keep in mind that whatever we're talking about right now is in the shadow of the coronavirus. Like there's yeah. there's nothing you can talk about right now that that's not. Some sort of whether it's it's analog like it's happening uh, uh, analogous to it, or it's happening uh, directly because of it, or just happening concurrently with it. 
the coronavirus pandemic is like the big story. You can't escape it. It's it is it is there no matter what you're talking about. We talk about want to talk about white supremacy, uh, white supremacy, and and the rise of uh, these different militia groups. COVID's happening during it and actually is it's part of it. QAnon. One of the major regions, uh, QAnon went from a conspiracy theory on the right, like a mainstream conspiracy that uh, your your Facebook friends and, and, and uncles and aunts are talking about, is because they were all sitting home looking up uh, how the, the coronavirus was a hoax and QAnon became part of that conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's everywhere and it's part of everything. And the idea that Trump goes on there and just talks about how it's just no big deal and we can't be scared of it and we got to keep on. And he brings up now that because he had it, it's not that bad. And he talks about how young people aren't dying from it. It's just, it's honestly the grossest thing. And he also brings up the projections. Oh, we were, we were going to lose, you know, 700,000 people. Every single country had those projections. Canada had a projection that 75% of people here would get it. That was at the beginning. They said 75% of people could get it. Every country had those projections based on if you did nothing at all and, if everybody went out all the time, like, like that's what that is based on. But it like 700 really isn't all that far away from what is it like 230 now? Like it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it really isn't. So he's almost near the mass projection that they had in the country. And it's, it, you cannot like uh, the one fear I have is that people have gotten too used to COVID and they, they really have not um, properly internalized how much of a disaster Trump has been on this issue and how it shows you that even, you know, a shitty neoliberal president would have done a much better job at handling this because they actually care about the reputation. <laughs> they actually care about not killing off the, the entire population. I mean, again, you can compare to countries like Canada. We have a neoliberal Trudeau. Compared to the UK, you have a conservative government. Compared to Australia, they have conservatives there. Like, neoliberals did much be- I hate neoliberals, but they did much a much better job because they're not fascists. They don't want to kill their population. They actually have some empathy sometimes. So they need just, them. They, they they need them to rise and grind every day so they can make them money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need them. They need them to get rich. Exactly. So whatever the reasoning is, though, more people are alive in other countries, and people, you know, they can't lose sight of the fact that you know COVID has become normal and it shouldn't be normalized. People should really understand that. Uh, Things could be a lot better in the U.S. Uh, than they are right now. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, it's, uh, back to the, uh, the specifics of the debate. You know, I, I think that tonight was I mean, we only got two of these debates when it came to Biden and Trump, uh, but we had a VP debate. But I think tonight was actually the most substantive of the debates. I felt like they actually I mean, obviously, these debates are never about policy, but there were moments of it, actually, which most of these debates don't usually have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moderator was very good tonight. I forget her name. Um, Kristen. Kristen thank you. Yep. She was actually very good. I felt like she held both of their feet to the fire. She didn't let them move on. Uh, she actually also realized that when someone says something about the other – there needs to be time to respond. You can't just cut away to the next topic no matter how much mm-hmm. you want to. I don't get those moderators who feel like they must they must follow the schedule and the plan they had and there's no room for changing it based on what actually yeah. goes on on stage. Like they're robots or something. Mm-hmm. She actually flowed with the conversation but at the same time like made sure they didn't run away with it. I mean really if, if you're looking to do one of these debates and you have to do it to like the restrictions of your TV time or whatever – uh, I felt like her, her, her 
her moderation uh, style was the way to go. Yeah, in terms of that, I, I think you're right. But I will say there was one moment during the debate, I was live streaming it, where I freaked that I got so angry. And it was the question about the minimum wage, where she framed it from the perspective of business owners. Can business owners really afford to raise the wages so people aren't living in, in, in squalor, where people have some I... ability to, to pay for food, or where they can buy a, where they can, you know, afford their rent? Like, to frame every... Still, like this isn't really her issue because this is the issue in general with the media. But the framing is so right wing that even with the immense homelessness, the eviction crisis, the question about the minimum wage is from a business owner perspective. Like that, that really ticked me off because it is just it is the the perfect encapsulation here when you have an eviction crisis, it is a perfect encapsulation of just the the completely failed job the media has done on being able to properly tell the story of what most people are going through. Most people do not run a company. Most people do not have money to spend. Most people are barely living paycheck to paycheck, are living in debt, can't afford rent, can't afford food. How is there not a question framed that way? Like that, that pissed me off. Uh, <laughs> that, that was the most anger inducing moment of that debate for me. But I understand what you're saying in terms of the format and the way she dealt with each individual. I, I, I do agree with you there. No, that's a that's really a great point. And it's absolutely it's absolutely on point. I mean, honestly, I don't even remember that section of the the, the debate. Uh, what what were there? And do you remember? You recall what they what the, what they said? I don't even I might have missed that part. Actually, I might have been setting up the, the stream or something. Uh, I think uh, Biden pushed back. Uh, my, I mean, I, I kind of, I was yelling and then I, I went to the washroom. <laughs> I, I rushed out to go to the bathroom because I was so pissed off. But uh, my understanding, uh, from, from what I saw, Biden did push back and was defending how people, you know, they need so they need higher wages right now. And then um, Kristen Welker even came back and mentioned how apparently Donald Trump has said he's open to the idea of raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour as well. So, and this is after Trump had just had a, went through a whole rant about how. Oh, we can't. People can't afford to do this. Business owners can't afford to raise wages. And then the moderator comes back and says, "Well, you've also said you should raise the wages to 15 bucks an hour." So it was. And of course, you know, Trump plays both sides. Um, so it, he just plays it off like, "Well, you know, I'm considering also raising the wage." Uh, but yeah, the, I, I, the problem is just the, when you frame questions that way. Inherently, it puts the correct position on the defensive instead of it being. The obvious position where just frame a question as, hey, most people are not business owners. Most people need money. Most people are suffering. What are you going to do to help them? Like, that's how you should present the question like that. But anyways, it's just it's crazy. The I mean, framing on, on these questions. It's always it's always about the small business owners. It's always about the middle which class. Which really is which really it's, is just phrasing is just a, a dog whistle for, you know, massive corporations and their interests because these these leaders don't care about you know small businesses it's all it's always about who's who's funding their their campaigns right right and it's also interesting and i think you actually brought this up and it made me you know like i can't believe they didn't bring this up how do you how do you talk about the coronavirus and and, and wages and not bring up the looming eviction crisis yeah i mean it is exactly. it, to me it is the biggest it's going to be the big obviously the biggest thing out of the coronavirus is people dying but the biggest fallout in the wake of when we eventually are over the pandemic, uh, obviously it's going to be a, a slow rollout over many, many months and years, and that's not even happening now. We're talking about the future. But in the wake of that even, 
there's obviously going to be a mass crisis when it comes to evictions. I mean, we're literally just delaying the inevitable here. Uh, you have landlords who are either uh, currently in some places there people are being evicted, but otherwise you have landlords whose hands are tied and legally cannot evict uh, their their tenants. Uh, but when the time comes, they'll be able to, and the ones who uh, and the w- ones that w- won't want to evict their tenants off the bat are going to expect a complete back pay of everything they're owed. And yeah. if they don't get that, then they'll evict them. So I mean, we're we're really dealing with something that's that's. I mean, we're just holding off something that's going to be huge. Honestly, I don't yeah, know I think, what else. To... I think the estimate is thirty to forty million Americans potentially uh, could be evicted. Um, and and yeah, it's. To not have that addressed in the debate is, is just criminal. Right. And I always, and this is not really related to the debate specifically, but my, whenever I think of housing in this country, I, I automatically think of like just how little people of uh, the millennial generation and younger, uh, home ownership is like, what, it's like oh. nothing. It's, it's nothing. Yeah. So what happens when, when you have all these, uh, you know, all these, these uh, uh, boomers and older, uh, you know, dying off, and then you basically have, Everyone who owns is basically just going to inherit from their rich parents, making that even smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Uh, the you know who owns and who rents, and we're going to be living in like like a feudalist type of <laughs> state here. It's yeah. going to be like I don't know, I don't know what what, what the, how to solve that. That even like to me because even like affordable housing isn't going to be the it's it's not enough to solve that issue. I think it's like there's got to be like a mass radical overhaul in the same way that you uh, tackle uh, climate change. Yeah, Which absolutely. also was weirdly, I mean, I know it came up, but in the sense of just Trump knocking AOC plus three, as he calls the squad, <laughs> and the Green New Deal, but like very little about climate change. One of my favorite moments from the debate is Trump discussing the, the little tiny windows. <laughs> how, how Biden wants to knock down buildings, build new buildings with, with little tiny windows. I I don't know what this means. <laughs> Are there little? Is that is that what this is? All, is that what Biden wants? Is that what, what Biden wants to do? Is that in his plan to, to build believe- new buildings with little tiny windows? Like, it's just, I, I just I, made me laugh. It's just I, ridiculous. I can't believe he didn't drop his his previously uh, his favorite uh, 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 now whatever it is is it is uh, rhetorical there. That's the word I was looking for. Is the uh, the toilet you need to flush fifteen times? Yeah. <laughs> well, he did bring up the windmills and how they're killing all the birds and <laughs> Right, that's another one of his faves. I mean, he 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 hates those windmills. He's I didn't know he was part of the Aubon society or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't mention windmill cancer. Maybe he did and I missed it, but that's another right. thing he's brought up before. Right. Oh, man. You know, and uh, what oh, oh, another moment that was really this was he does this a lot though without realizing. He goes to attack. He 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 tries to defend himself with something, but then he goes and attacks Biden for that thing, which then ruins his previous defense of himself. And the best example tonight was when he was talking about how beautiful and splendid and clean and luxurious the ICE detention facilities are, and then he turns to Biden and says, "And you built them." It was like what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're supposed to. That's I, mean, I get the two. Like he conflated two things. He was trying yeah. to defend his ice detention facilities, which are not clean and beautiful, and the conditions there are actually hard and horrendous. And at the same time, attack the Obama administration, which Biden was obviously part of, 
for building many of these, you know, these detention facilities and, and cages where these families and kids are locked up, which again is true. But but uh, obviously Trump's uh, Trump's policies go much further the family yeah. separations. But but what Trump was trying to say. He's completely screwed up the delivery. <laughs> this is why he, what he tries to do is he tries to attack from both the right for his base and then for, from the left to try and hurt the turnout for Joe Biden. Right. So when, when he's defending the ice, oh, they're, they're so clean, they're beautiful. That's a, you know, a right wing framing on that issue. And then to attack Joe Biden, that's a left wing. <laughs> so right. he's trying to play both positions while while really holding no position except for the fact that he has made it. Uh, much worse. And he also kept bringing up, oh, you were in office for eight years and you didn't do anything. Joe, eight, eight years, you didn't do it. It's like, yo, you're the president right now. Like, <laughs> what did you do on, for example, health care? Like, th this guy who pretended he's had, he's had a health care plan for four years, has no health care plan, has never brought anything out, but keeps attacking Joe Biden for not doing anything for eight, for eight years, which, look, if, if you're a left-winger and you're criticizing Biden, yeah, I get it. But if you're Donald Trump and you are the president criticizing Joe Biden for not doing anything. How about what has Trump actually done right. in four years, except for past tax reform that benefits the wealthiest? Like, what has he actually done? Uh, you, 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 I don't know what he's done. He hasn't done anything. Right. It just, it's, thank, it's hilarious to thank, attack Biden for not doing anything. Thankfully, in some aspects, that doing something in for for Trump is actually a good yes, thing when it comes exactly. to like it's Social Security thing, yes. and healthcare. <laughs> but he tried. He tried. Like my argument was always, you know, Trump not doing anything is great. Like not doing anything for this administration is like a net positive, actually, for us. Except when it comes to an issue like a pandemic, where you have to do something, yeah. and yeah. that's where it all that 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 argument falls apart, unfortunately. I, yeah. you know, and also that, the, the just the impact culturally that where it's it's kind of hard to to quantify that, but the impact when it comes to as we discussed, like the rise in hate crimes and that kind of thing. That's the kind of thing where that really, you know, apart from, if you want to say, if, even if you want to be crazy. Like, there are crazy people that want to pretend that Biden and Trump are the same. They're not the same, but if you want to pretend that, just the cultural impact of getting Trump out and having somebody who, who isn't a total piece of shit, like, that is a major improvement to have right. somebody who speaks like a leader, uh, you know, at least rhetorically cares about people and tries to be empathetic. And that's something that, that Biden has that Trump just doesn't know how to do. Um, Biden has right. the ability to empathize personally. I think he obviously lacks when it comes to policy, doesn't go far enough, but he has that ability to have those personal connections uh, in a way that clearly Trump is just, he's too much of a narcissist to even care about anybody else except wait, for himself. Wait, 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 David, you don't think that picture that the right's floating around of Biden hugging and kissing his son is going to ruin him? Is that what you're saying? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> or the text messages where he says, I love you, son. Oh, those are really going to hurt him. Right. The, the one where Hunter Biden's in rehab and he goes, just know that I love you, son, and I'm thinking about you. Oh, I, I read that and I'm like, Jesus Christ, why do I like Biden all of a sudden? No, I can't feel this way. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. And I know there's a lot of people who are watching this who are probably like, I don't give a shit about that stuff. Fine. Even if you think both Trump and Biden are huge pieces of shit. Uh, and in some aspects, they both they both can be described that way. Uh, you should want the piece of shit who we can push on some issues and not the yeah. piece of shit we can't push on anything. You want the piece of shit closer to your position. I, I, right. I'd rather have a fight between democratic socialism and neoliberalism right. than between fascism and neoliberalism. You know, right. you want the one that's closer to your position at the end of the day. Right. Do you want the piece of shit that you can sometimes flush or do you want the one that's always clogging up your toilet? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's, 
Uh, I guess I'm trying to think what else there is to talk about. Oh, uh, yeah, I think I think we probably we could go to some of these. Uh, there's some uh, things people uh, had to say to us. That's sure. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, Victor says, uh, oh, he said that he sent both you and I $20 super chats during our streams today. Uh, wow. God bless early voting. Thank you, Victor. Really appreciate that. Awesome. Uh, Prague Rocker says, uh, came here from Rational National. Here's to you for hosting. Well, thank you. Look at that. Rational National fans up in this, uh, <laughs> just completely filling up the stream here. Uh, awesome. G Wolf says, uh, don't hold back old Matt. Tell us what you think. Uh, for people who don't know, uh, I am called old Matt on the majority for, for the majority port, uh, old timers because there's Matt Leck is obviously the new Matt. Uh, Samantha with the super chat says, uh, did you see Trump say AOC had a nice line of stuff? What did she say? He said, nice. Yeah. Line. He said something like that. Like, uh, uh, AOC plus three. Uh, she has a nice line of, yeah, I think he said nice line of stuff. I don't know what, I think he was just trying to say that, that she's maybe good rhetorically, but, uh, it was on the issue of climate change. So you know he what? was attacking AOC on, on the green new deal. And I, yeah, that's how it came up. I truly think that like the way Trump talks, like the way like the, the his go to like et cetera, et cetera words that people, you know, everyone has them. They always just happen to come up. I mean, it's his own fault because he's a misogynist. But even when he's not meaning it, he comes off like a misogynist. Like when like, I yeah. truly believe when he was talking with Megyn Kelly in 2016, when he said blood coming out of her, whatever. I actually don't think he meant anything by that. But his history of being a misogynist, it was very easy to see his et cetera, et cetera yeah. words and terminology and frame it that way because that's who he is. But I actually yeah. don't think in that moment he meant it. I also I, part of that also because I don't think he's clever enough to think of something like that on the spot. Uh, yeah, without, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of it, I think. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Damn cute says, love the show, Matt. Uh, do, do you check your email? I do. Dropped you a note, but let me, if you prefer DM somewhere else, Trump in beta mode tonight. Ah, people dropping uh, private chats in the super chat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do check my email and I'll check it again. If not, do DM me on Twitter and I'll, if, I'll check there too. Uh, Victor again says, I sent a $20 super chat earlier for both of you. Have you both seen it? Uh, double checking with wow. another super chat. Did no, you we see... haven't seen it. Send another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's you know, uh, that's why you have a much bigger YouTube channel, uh, David, because you're a much better promoter than I. I could not. <laughs> uh, Renee says, uh, uh, "Don't be a propagandist by being an uh, by uh, be being being anti." What, how do you? I actually, I've, I've I've read this word a million times. That I never know how to pronounce it. The North Korea, uh, J U N C H E, Junch, Junch, Hunch. J U N C H E. Yeah. I don't know how to say that. All right. Well. I think I've seen that. I think. Yeah, it's it. a it's a North Korea uh, thing. Uh, yeah. Scarrow says I wasn't going to vote for Biden until Trump convinced me that he's an existential existential threat. I mean. That's a, I mean, listen, whatever makes you get out there and vote for whoever, I mean, I, I really think you should look at this strategically. Again, I'm not going to push you. If you feel like you need to vote for third party, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop you, but strategically think who can win, who is the better bet to get into office. So then you can push to get some of the things you want or get close to some of the things you want. And I mean, to me, it's quite clear. Maybe to you, someone else will be clear. But 
again, voting is not really a thing that you do to to feel good. There's a lot of other things you could do to feel good. You want to feel good? Uh, there's a lot of people hurting right now because the coronavirus. Get involved with some mutual aid. Uh, work at a a, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a food pantry, uh, shelter. <clears throat> uh, check out on your neighbors to make sure they're fine, and that'll make you feel good. Uh, yep. Just voting is something that I think you should think strategically for. Yeah, this is the way I think of it. It it totally depends on the context. So in the primary, obviously, yeah, vote for the person that you like the most. When it comes to a situation like this, where you have two options, who you don't you don't love either one, you have to look at who would you rather fight. Would you rather fight a fascist or would you rather fight a neoliberal? I would rather fight a fascist. You'd rather fight somebody who is closer to your position uh, on the issues and also is just somebody that you, you know, even have a bit of a seat at the table with. That isn't saying that, you know, Biden's not going to be Bernie Sanders, obviously. But you have – there is no seat at the table with Trump. Trump – four more years of Trump, if it's four more years – it'd be four plus. I mean – if Trump wins another term, I just think it's over at that point. But you have, I, are you moving I, to? I, if Trump wins, David, are you moving to Canada? Oh yeah, <laughs> if Trump wins, I'm removing to Canada. <laughs> I, I just, but like you have to look at, 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 yeah, what your options are. And in a situation like this, where you have two not great choices, who would you rather fight? I rather fight Joe Biden. And to me, that, that it just becomes obvious. Right. And uh, I implore you to vote for whoever you want in the primaries again in 2024 when we're doing this all again. Vote for whoever you want in the primaries, except it will be inexcusable, no justification, for you to vote for Pete Buttigieg. I'm sorry, I'm putting that out there now. There's, <laughs> you don't do it. That's the guy I'm going to come yeah. out and tell you for. Don't do it. Uh, I, I, I'm glad. Uh, Biden is obviously you know nowhere near the top of, of who I would want to win a primary, but He's over Pete Buttigieg on my list for sure. <laughs> I agree. Don't worry. I would not want Buttigieg right now. Uh, let's go back to the chat here. Tyler says it just came across, came over from David's channel. Jeez, David, you were like a big, you know, big star here on YouTube. I didn't realize. Yeah. I mean, listen, and I, I've I've had I've had other people with 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 decent sized YouTube followings, but. I don't think anyone has brought over as many people from their channel as you. I mean, well, I don't know I what it is. I care about now. the people that I come to see. So I told my audience, come over, see me on Matt Bender's show, and there we oh, go. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> Celeste says, David, blink two times if you're being forced to do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I take back every nice thing I said about your your, your <laughs> subscribers, David. I'm not being forced to do this. I enjoy being on Matt Bender's show. Oh, I well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, this is a great username. Thank you for your cervix, says uh, Secession. What are your thoughts about it? I feel like that's a, a big big topic to just to just drop in the final minutes of our, our live stream. But um, I think it's an overall bad thing. I don't think it'd be a good thing. As much as we'd like to pretend that cutting out the blue states from the red states is great and wonderful, just think about all the people we'd be leaving behind in these red states. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of libs, and I'm not saying you are one to thank you for your cervix but a lot of libs say this a lot where they're like oh you know fuck the red states whatever but like look at how they vote like you know if if some if a place like i don't know i'm just gonna throw out this state if georgia's voting uh, ends up voting trump 52 to biden 48 are you really gonna say fuck the 48 percent of people who voted against trump we want them out of the country i mean that's what you're saying when you want the the when you're cutting out these people in the red states you're not just cutting out trump supporters yeah, I mean, th- 
also it's just it's also just a lot easier just to change how the system works like go based on the popular vote like democrats have won what is it like uh, seven of the last eight eight elections based on the popular vote but they've lost elections uh to republicans just because of the electoral college it's a lot easier to change that system <laughs> than it is to just you know form your own country your own separate countries so it it doesn't make sense to put any effort into uh any kind of movement like that i don't think All right uh samantha says uh q QAnus, QAnon, QAnus believers will be Republican nominee in 2024. Wouldn't surprise me, but you're definitely going to see in 2022. Uh, what we saw with the Tea Party in 2010 and 2014, you're going to see that with QAnon. I almost guarantee it. If Trump loses, you will. I guarantee you, QAnon will be the Tea Party of the 2022. Don't they already have like midterms. one one congressperson? Oh, or there's one or two. I, there's 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 something like a couple dozen actually running uh, who are in the general election. And yeah. one or two who uh, one who will assuredly be in the next uh, the next Congress, uh, maybe That's two, crazy. but one. Uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, I can't believe I'm uh, 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 green. She will. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Green will mm, be a hundred percent. Uh, unless something happens where you know all of a sudden everyone writes in Pee Wee Herman or someone else. <laughs> Uh, she will assuredly be in the next Congress working alongside uh, people who she believes is running a global pedophile ring. Uh, so, I mean, I wonder how you square that with your, your supporters. Yeah. QAnon believers, I'm fighting against the cabal of Satanists who are trafficking children all over the world who are run by the Democratic Party. And then she's going to go ahead and sit down next to... Uh, Next to uh, Nancy Pelosi and uh, and AOC and just try to work with them. I mean, what, how do you square that with those people? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, Nathalie Robinson, uh, when Trump supporters give out fake numbers, just give them fake numbers back to prove them wrong. They clearly don't fact check and believe shit is chocolate. Oh, and you did that with emoji. It's very clever. There's a, a poop emoji and a chocolate bar emoji. Uh, uh, Renee, uh, Jesus, I just lost it. Renee, uh, so why aren't you the rational Marxist, David? Huh? Uh, I'm the huh? rational national. <laughs> 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 I'm not really an ideological show. I'm more of like, what is what progress is possible now? And that's kind of always my focus. Ah. Campbell Umbers, uh, Morrison in Australia deserves zero credit. We just got very, 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 very lucky. Unless you're poor, in which case not even the Labour Party was advocating. Right. Australia did decent, I think, but not as good as other, like, basically, like, islands, I guess. Right? I mean, yeah. You got, I mean, you like, got, New Zealand is, like, perfect from what I understand. Like, they, they it was like 25, they right. Yeah. I mean, I think there are, like, uh, Pacific islands that, that had much less, but also, like, much, much smaller. Like, I think New Zealand's probably, like, the largest of, like, the countries that ended up coming out, like, basically unscathed. Yeah. Um, uh, Laura Nicole says, uh, yes, follow David to your channel, Matt. Nice to see you have a channel. Been watching you on MR for a long time. You know, it is amazing to me. Thank you, first of all, but it's amazing to me that like, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been the majority port, like uh, gotta be more than a dozen times now at this point. And people still don't know what happened to me after I left the show full time in 2015. It's like. I, I just dropped off the, the planet from some for some people. <laughs> I just no longer existed. Uh, but glad that you know I'm here now. Uh, uh, Victor again. Just Victor's just Victor's balling here. Went ten dollars. So if David does another live, I'll send twenty, which means both you'll both have forty. 
All right, David, uh, after we end it here, I'm going to jump on a stream. You're going to start on your channel, and we're going to do this all over again. <laughs> I think I'll be asleep by then. Uh, <laughs> but I will be streaming live tomorrow at 3 p.m., so, Victor, come back. I'll, I'll see you there. There you go. And <laughs> and I, after you catch uh, David tomorrow at 3 p.m., uh, 9 p.m. here, I'll be talking to uh, Ali, uh, uh, Ali Vargas of uh, – uh, I forgot what outlet he writes. But he's a reporter in Bolivia who has mm. been really covering what's been going down there for the past year. And he's nice. been amazing, and he's going to break it down for us. So uh, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time uh, after David's stream at 3 p.m. Eastern Eastern time for you two? Yep, yep. There you go. Uh, uh, just a few – I think there's like two more here. Uh, Jay Stan, uh, build the left. More collaborations like this, please. Now – Obviously, this might work in my favor a little bit more, but I agree. Uh, what, what, do you, uh, what do you think, David? <laughs> Collaborations are great. I just wish I had more time. Uh, that's always my issue. Like, it, I feel like I'm really, I, I basically work nonstop, which is fine. Like, I enjoy what I do, uh, but I would definitely collab a lot more if I had the time. It just, it just comes down to time for me. Right. I think what Jay Stan is saying here is, uh, should uh, have me on uh, Rational National sometime. Uh, but anyway. Oh, I'll have you on sometime, for sure. <laughs> Uh, lawn gnomes. I know you don't do that. I, I, I do like the, the very uh, rarely do I do interviews though. Yeah, yeah I, I know. <laughs> I'm just, I do the, I do the weekly 45 minute to an hour and a half long interview with a guest. So mm. I, I get it. Uh, not everyone is as, you know, the easy way out. Like me, it just has someone else on to do everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, lawn gnome says, uh, Hey gang, big MR and rational national fan. What do you think about the moderator asking, why would you stop funding fossil fuel companies? And this is the one I remember, yeah. and I am glad you brought it because I, I remember it, but I forgot to bring it up here. I just, you know, I really don't get the, I mean, I get the phrasing of these questions. What I was going to say, though, is I really don't get Biden's, you know, digging his his feet in the sand here on the fracking thing. Oh, my God. It the, is. It's just, it's so, it's not even a, so there's been multiple polling, like in Pennsylvania, it's not even popular. Like a majority of people don't want frank, fracking there, but they keep pushing. I think somebody has to be on the campaign or a donor. Like there has to be some kind of connection that way because it doesn't make any sense to keep pushing this idea. You are potentially losing a lot of young people when you continue focusing on. Oh, I don't want to ban fracking. Fracking is great. You, it is so stupid politically to do that unless there is somebody on your campaign who is directly impacted or is, is in the fracking industry, it doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. Right. Absolutely. And anyway, this reminded me actually of, of another moment tonight. We were talking about it earlier uh, when we were bringing up fracking, because of course I bring up fracking. I'm going to think of Bernie Sanders. Uh, you know, we were talking about how uh, Trump likes to double speak. Like he likes to, uh, you know, he, he attacks uh, 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 Biden for one thing to appeal to the right, but then has the completely separate uh, opinion on it. To try to disenfranchise left uh, left leaning voters from voting for Biden, he does this with Bernie Sanders all the time. He'll be out there and be like, "Fuck Bernie Sanders! I hate him so much. He's the worst. He's a socialist." And they'll turn around and be like, "The Bernie the hardliners love me. They the, they think I'm the best." <laughs> yeah, he. It, it's this. It's a. It's almost like a talent to just play every side, have no real ideology. I mean, that's what Trump is. He has no real ideology. He's just a narcissist. So it's just whatever he thinks is going to make people like him the most. And he hopes that you forget the last comment. That's right. I really, I really do think any, anything like that, any, anything he's done really is being steered by the Republican Party, which is why yeah. I don't get people who think that like 
Trump is the problem. I mean, the Republican Party are literally like pulling the puppet strings here. Like they tell him that if you want to get reelected, you have to do this, this and this and this. And like you think he cares about who he puts on the Supreme Court? He oh, doesn't have an opinion on Roe v. Wade. He doesn't give a shit about any of this stuff. If you if 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 Mitch McConnell took him aside and said Medicare for all will will sell you to winning the re-election, he'll be like, I'm for Medicare for all. Oh, what for sure. Yes. Yeah. He has no ideology. Right. Uh, but I, but also I've heard people on the left say like if Trump said that maybe I'd vote from it don't and don't fall for that you would have to get the Republican Party to feed that to him yeah him yeah. just saying that wouldn't be enough because well would I mean just... he's in 2015 Trump said my health care plan everyone's covered under my health care plan like he he had lines like that that were you know quasi populist but of course he never meant them because he doesn't want to do the work that's necessary to change the entire ideology of the Republican Party he's not he doesn't actually care about these issues again it's all about what is going to appeal to people, what he thinks is going to appeal to people, and he hopes that people will hear that. But the reality is, as you said, he doesn't control what's going on. Right, right. And here we go, the final two Super Chats of the night. Uh, Champagne Kami says, Trump said people who follow asylum rules were low IQ. I caught that as well, and I, I was just... He, he really loves to just <laughs> spill... I mean, that's how he looks at things, though. I mean... I uh, clearly he he gets away with murder because he's a very smart guy. I mean, he he gets around these things. He only paid seven hundred fifty dollars in taxes because he's yeah. a smart dude who's able to to figure out workarounds and get away with it. That's how he views everything. Yeah, anyone who who plays by the rules to him is uh, a sucker, and that, that was just it was just uh, another example of, of his thought process. And James with the final super chat. If you think Alabama sucks to be in the same country with. Wait until they're a sovereign nation on your border. That's a that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, that would be great uh, point. That's a right, good point. right. Trying to deal with Prime Minister uh, Jeff Sessions or some shit like that. Right. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, well, David, this has been an absolute pleasure. Yes. Honestly, one of the most fun streams I've done. Uh, this has been wonderful, uh, and. Uh, let me just give you uh, an opportunity to tell the uh, the I guess out of the the every out of the all the people watching the stream right now, the five percent who are my regulars who didn't come from your channel, uh, tell them where they could find you. Feel free to promote whatever you'd like. The floor is yours. Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at uh, David Dole, last name spelled D O E L, or of course on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash/TheRationalNational. And uh, all the links are there. All the videos are there. And uh, come check me out. And folks, YouTube.com slash Matt Binder. Subscribe to this channel. I'll be live tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern time for another show. And if you can support this show financially, only do so if you can do it financially. I understand people are struggling right now. So don't just subscribe to the YouTube channel for free. That's all you can do. Or DoomedPod.com for the podcast. Uh, but if you do have the money and you want to you wanna toss this channel some money so you can uh, help this this uh, show grow to maybe one day be fifty uh, percent maybe of what the rational national is. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Matt Binder. That's patreon.com slash Matt Binder. Appreciate it immensely. Everyone who tuned in tonight, everyone who threw a super chat my way. And uh, once again, David, thank you for coming and joining me tonight. Lots of Thanks fun. Thanks for having me on. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. See you all next time on Doomed. <laughs>